Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Helly, and welcome to Growth in Progress, the podcast where we have open and honest conversations about things that aren't usually discussed, but that can help us all to grow. Each week, we spend some time catching up. We share a recommendation for something we've really enjoyed recently, whether it's just a bit of fun or it's helped us to learn and grow. And then we go on to discuss a topic that we think is really relevant to the things that are going on right now and the sort of things that people might be thinking about but aren't necessarily having the conversation about. We want to hear from you guys, your thoughts on the topics we discuss and any topics you want us to discuss into the new year. So don't forget to get in touch with the details that are in the show notes. And please hit subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode. How are you doing? We are slightly late with this week's episode again. Um, I can only apologise, but life is happening. It is. It is the busiest time of the year for everyone. So and it happens. We can't help it. It's just how it goes sometimes. Um, but I am good. I am. I don't really have a lot. Well, I have a lot going on, but I've basically become a hermit because I'm just trying to get all of my work done before we head back to the UK for Christmas um which I'm really excited for um but basically I've become a hermit but I'm dressing it up as being like wholesome and cozy to make me feel better about that. it so it what is I mean we've got the candles going we've got Christmas jazz Taylor's been making bread which has been <gasps> spectacular so I'm going with wholesome and cozy <laughs> I love that the benefits of being with a baker well, I mean, finally, we've been together for five years. It's the first time he's actually made bread and he's made like really? five lo- loaves in two weeks. Yes. I literally, when I saw that for capture on your stories, I was like, oh God, that's so cool. That ta- Like, it looks so professional. It's so cool that he's so good at that. And then I was like, yeah, that was literally his job. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing. He puts like so much pressure on himself. For it it's amazing. Good. He's like, it has to be up to the standards of, standard of when I used to, sell it in stores i'm like i don't care i will eat anything we just like up it's just bread i will eat it but no that i remember as a kid my parents got a bread maker this feels very like late 90s early 2000s my parents bought a bread maker and they went through a phase of just baking bread for everyone and like we would go to people's house for like dinner and my parents would take a loaf of bread and at the time i thought it was so weird and it's just made me realize as an adult if someone turned up to my house with bread I would rather that over wine, over chocolates, over flowers. Like, how amazing is that? Imagine someone turns yeah. up at your house with a fresh loaf of bread. Yeah, that's literally what we've been planning for for when we're back at Christmas and seeing people and just going <gasps> to make them bread and bring it to people. I was going to say, if you want to come and see us and bring us a loaf of bread, that's all I want. Like, yeah, let us know what you're... Uh what you'd like and we'll roll with it. I did check with someone the other day if they're allergic to honey because did you know there's honey in focaccia? No. Well, it has to have like a sweetener of some sort, which again is mad because obviously it tastes savoury. But um, yeah. I mean, I love the cat's honey. Then, who knows? Yeah. Who knew? Anyway, I could speak about how much I love bread all day. Um, <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. Although nothing will make you realise how boring your life is than deciding impulsively in a slightly a slight COVID hangover that you're going to do a mini vlogmas on TikTok and it's day whatever the date is today seven and I'm like am I going to fail it today because so far I have literally two seconds of footage um but because it's me and I can't not complete something I start we're going to go with it um 
I, I never I never understood the Vlogmas thing and I always thought it was a Tumblr thing, but I've seen loads of people doing it this year. So do you just record, God, I sound like my grandma. Do you just record <laughs> snippets of your day? <laughs> um, so well, I mean, I've never like even way, way, way back in the day when I was on YouTube, um, I never did Vlogmas or anything like that. And it's like daily vlogging on all the days of Advent just like cozy festive content and I thought well do you know what it's popular on TikTok I've done a couple of little vloggy things on TikTok and they've been well received that would be fun I'm a moron let me tell you bad idea well why don't you just record yourself now because I saw Lily Pebbles saying that she just like basically filmed herself eat breakfast but then edits it all together and it looks all aesthetic but actually she's just like eating her breakfast and I was like, I mean, yeah, that's basically what today is. Today is yeah. me walking and me walking. So why don't you just, yeah, and just film yourself while we're recording the podcast right now. Yeah, I'll do a couple of seconds. So that can be fun. But anyway, oh, enough wow. of my boring life. I did get a Christmas tree this weekend, which yeah. is it's extremely boring. Exciting. No, and one of the reasons it's so exciting is, um, one of the reasons it's so exciting is because I finally got a tree that was over six foot. And this is a saga that has been going on ever since we started getting a real tree that I want a really giant tree. And Alex points out to me, it doesn't fit into our home. I see that as like a minor inconvenience. um, Whereas actually it's a completely valid problem. And this year we went for a Fraser fir instead of a Norman fir. Um, I found out what the difference is. And so we went Mm. taller because an arrow. Oh my God, Clark is a beauty. You named it Clark after National Lampoon. Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) You get two types of people: the people who get that reference immediately, and people, and are like the other group people who are just like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Okay, that's weird. Do you know what? I saw a TikTok the other day, and I'm going to have to send it to you. But it was in the states, and it was this like little station wagon cart with a tree on the top. I'm not joking. Must have been like 15, 16 foot, and someone was filming like from the car behind, and it just said, "Clark, is that you?" absolutely dying. I love that <laughs> I absolutely love that like I mean National Lampoons is one of the best Christmas movies ever I think so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway talking of do you want to sh- share your recommendation I feel like this is a very different change of direction but I have been waiting to recommend this for a couple of weeks so my recommendation is a memoir well yeah kind of memoir it's sort of been fictionalized because of the topic but it's called The Prison Doctor and it's by Dr. Amanda Brown. And um, it is probably one of the most eye-opening memoirs that I've ever read. Um, so Dr. Amanda Brown, she works as a prison doctor for, in some of the most notorious prisons in Europe, primarily in the UK. Um, and she started off as a GP in this quiet country village, like very middle class. Um, and then she basically left because she didn't like the direction that medical practice was going as a GP and she wanted a new challenge and she started working in 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 the prison system and the shift into this kind of world of violence drugs disease like the mental health issues inside of prisons and it's a huge like shocking shift even just to read it was really shocking but her values and the way she tells stories of the prisoners and the people that she meets and also she's treating people who are violent criminals who are extremely disturbed there's like people in there for everything from like murder to fraud and but she's still their doctor and she treats them as such and like 
it was incredible to read it was like heartbreaking and gut-wrenching and you you know that how awful it must be inside of prisons but hearing that perspective is really heartbreaking but it is so interesting really eye-opening um definitely recommend giving it a read it didn't feel like I was reading a memoir um but it's really interesting you mentioned this because obviously there's been a real explosion of medical memoirs um over the past few years especially since this is going to hurt was released mm. um and Alex has kind of dipped in and out of quite a few and most of them get shelved as like no like nothing like good for you not for me very much that sort of vibe prison Mm. doctor is what he finished and actually said like you should read that because it's so interesting it's such a different perspective and exactly what you said like gut-wrenching but also just so eye-opening yeah and it's that thing you read the stories and you are sympathizing so much with these Mm. prisoners who have some of them have done awful things but some of them are just a victim of their circumstances there are people in there because yeah. they have nowhere else to go and it's yeah it really insightful and yeah I absolutely think it's worth reading it's one of those books that, again I've had on my shelf for probably over a year and I just really felt like something a bit different and I'm glad that I read it that's pretty good um what's your recommendation so mine's a little lighter it's a tv show and it's Alexander Armstrong in South Korea. So I don't know if other people do this. This TV recommendation is actually via Gogglebox. Um, and I say that because I never would have ever heard of this or watched it because it's on Channel 5 or like f- Channel 5's like version of like their on-demand service. Mm. Um, and we never watch Channel 5 or anything like that. But Alexander Armstrong, who is a comedian and TV personality in the UK, he's he hosts a lot of game shows um, and things like that. He does Pointless and the Armstrong and Miller show. I was thinking about the Armstrong and Miller show earlier, actually, and how like that's not a thing anymore. And that was always so funny. I remember it being mm. so funny on Friday night. Anyway, I digress. He's done a three-part documentary series about him traveling to South Korea and looking at why it is that over the past kind of decade, South Korea has like not just captured our imagination, but the quote-unquote western world is absolutely enamored with it whether it's k-pop k-beauty like the technology that's coming out of south korea um the history all of these different elements of this country that has undergone incredible transformation in the past 60 years um and it's really fascinating to see him speak to all these different people who um, are all part of these communities that are so popular, like K-pop. And he speaks to YouTube's mega stars who have like millions and millions of subscribers, but who you and I probably have never heard of. Um, and he also has a look into the history of South Korea as well and the ancient practices and the traditions they have within their culture. And he also really interestingly talks to a North Korean defector. Is that what you call deflective? Defector, yeah. Is that the word? You know, yeah. like she she's North Korean um, and she left North Korea to move to South Korea with her daughter. Um, and she talks about how she did that um, because it's obviously not an easy thing to do. It's a very dangerous thing to do. His style of presenting and documentary making is very personable, I think, and nice to watch. And he manages to tackle some really big topics with so much compassion Um mm. But it, we've said like it's put Seoul to one of the top places on our bucket list now to travel to because it 
is it does feel so inspiring um and i think you would absolutely love it i think you and taylor would love it we've we've watched it have you <laughs> yeah yeah we as soon as you said it i was like oh my god we could actually talk to you about this because i yeah i didn't think that you watch channel five so we watch a fair few bits of like documentaries and stuff on channel five and um we started watching it the other day um while we're making bread and um <laughs> i because i was absolutely cracking up because he goes and does some of like the performances and meets the k-pop band. yes and oh yes. my god so- i was like Dying of embarrassment, but also I couldn't stop watching. I so love the funny. bit where he goes for the beauty assessment and she's like, do you moisturise your skin? He's like, no. She, what? Oh, no, do, please do. But she's like, what do you put on your face? And he's like, nothing. And she's like, no, but what do you put on your face? And he's like, nothing. And she's like, oh. She actually really looks traumatised. <laughs> to be but, fair, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean... Taylor, it's one of Taylor's favorite countries. He absolutely loved South Korea, and he always says that he really wants to take me there because it's there in Taiwan. He's like, those are the two places in Asia that he really wants to go with me because I've not mm. obviously not been to either. But exactly the same as you, I watched that and I was like, oh my god, I really want to go now. It is such a yeah. fascinating country, and to have grown a... so quickly in such a short space right. of time as well with such a strong identity. That that's the thing I think is so interesting. And obviously in school, I learned about the Korean War and things like that. And so I I knew some of Korea's recent history, but it hadn't really, I hadn't realized the transformation they had fully undergone in such a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. And it is such an easy watch as well. I do really like him and how he, yeah, how he presents yeah it's like a really easy watch but it doesn't shy away from some big topics it's almost like the simon reeve effect you know when you watch a simon reeve documentary and his personality Mm. is what makes it easy to watch and engage with yeah god like when he does the bit where he's they've got quite like a big mental health problem as well in in south korea especially when it comes to like work-life balance and he goes to the uh is it a monastery yeah um with that guy and it's basically to help people like talk through what would happen if they weren't there and the impact that that would have on the people around them and that like he was really moved by it and he was really emotional I felt really emotional watching that as well yeah it was just brilliantly done and he was quite candid like oh I didn't expect to get emotional here almost like yeah I thought it was a bit of a gimmick and actually wow no this ancient practice is actually really does add value more than we can understand yeah yeah, absolutely. Also recommend giving it a watch. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love it when we've both, we both want to recommend something, but we don't know we both want to recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. I think I love his stuff. Anyway. <laughs> so we're on our penultimate episode of the year. Um, we're halfway through December almost, which just feels insane, right? Like mm-hmm. the years evaporated and we don't have much time of the year left. Um, so this week we wanted to talk about a to-do list for the end of the year, but not in the sense of, oh my God, we've got so much to do and we have to achieve and we have to tick things off. It's a compassionate to-do list, like a list of things that you can prioritize to ensure that you finish this year your happiest, healthiest, most cared for version of yourself so that you're in a position for 2023 where you can hit the ground running, where you feel good. It's not about 
productivity points and just seeing how much you can achieve but a moment to reassess and reflect yeah I think the end of the year or the the new year gets this kind of arbitrary pressure put on it where people feel like they have to get all of these things done before the end of the year and the end of the year is this big looming like finite cutoff point and then everything starts afresh on January the 1st and I just think you need to have some more compassion at a time of the year when it's often challenging for a lot of people anyway at Christmas and during the holiday season plus there's so many more challenges this year with the cost of living crisis and everything that's going on in the world and I think it comes down to is forcing yourself to complete everything really going to make you happier is it going to make the end of your year feel better and feel good for you if you are trying to frantically tick everything off on your list it's so easy isn't it at this point in the year to prioritize everyone else and feel that you're being pulled in 101 different directions whether it's with work your personal life in terms of managing seeing your family versus your in-laws versus your friends what about work colleagues and I think showing yourself some compassion and not just saying oh I'm going to be kind and compassionate to myself but making it an active thing that you commit to and that's essentially what creating a list will do it means that you keep it front of mind and that you actually prioritize it in what is such a busy time of year and I don't think I think it could sound very overwhelming to do and I know when we spoke about the topic we're like actually it's the most practical way to do it but really what we all want is to make sure that in a very busy time where you prioritize everyone else that you're prioritizing your well-being and that you're mm-hmm. still committing to that like growth and self-awareness and the, it's even the little things like eating your vegetables getting daylight drinking water moving your body because they're the things that are so easy to let slip at this time mm-hmm. yeah I I totally agree and I think as much as we'd all love to say oh we'll we'll take it easy and we'll re- relax it's supposed to be a really relaxing time of year we all know that that's not true we all know it's not yeah. a relaxing time of year like Christmas stopped being relaxing when we were like 12 years old like there's a lot that's going on but I don't approaching it from this way is still a really great exercise in prioritizing and being aware of your own capacity it's just by having that awareness you are actively trying to remove the pressure that's on you because I think that's the thing if you are go 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 you lack any space for for awareness and for actually checking in with yourself and saying, oh, am I okay? Do I need a break? Have I been outside today? Have I drank like drunk enough water today? All of those small check-in points. If you're so busy frantically trying to tick off things, you're not checking in with yourself. And I think that's where this to-do list comes in more to create a bit more space for that awareness. Yeah, I think it can be a real time of year as well where there's a lot of restriction and it's like, don't drink too much, I can't eat that, like I don't want to indulge. And I think instead of thinking of the don'ts, like don't go out too much, don't spend too much money, don't eat that. It's more about saying, okay, do eat well so that you can have the balance of indulging. Do get early nights a couple of nights a week so you're still prioritizing your sleep. So when you want to go out, you have the energy to to fully enjoy it 
and like you said making space for those things that you will enjoy like prioritizing if you can seeing people who make you feel great and fill up your cup rather than those people who will be a bit of a mood drainer Mm -hmm. yeah and I think like if you're giving yourself an extra hard time for not ticking things off your list or the things that you've kind of an arbitrary deadline as the end of December that's going to feed into the negativity even more I think it's just I mean we've said it before but so much of the pressure that we feel is pressure that we create ourselves from our own expectations but that on top of the expectations that there already are during the season is is a lot and I think yeah acknowledging that there's almost that bubble weight on you is it makes it harder to do things not easier the pressure doesn't make it any easier having the deadline doesn't make it any easier when you've already got so much so much happening and we all love a list and we love to be busy but it it can be too much and I think as well it's about saying is it what I really want is it going to make me happy is it going to fulfill me is it going to make sure that my family have a better Christmas? All of these things you do want, you've got to ask yourself whether the things you're doing actually ladder up to what you want. And you're right, we do all put a lot of pressure on ourselves, but the flip side of that is that we put that pressure on ourselves so we have the control to release that pressure and try mm-hmm. to find ways to make things feel more manageable or just that you can enjoy the season more. And I think it's a really good habit to get into now because whilst, yes, it's kind of the the festive season and the holiday season, it's also the start of winter. And that is, let's be honest, the toughest season of them all. It's dark, it's cold. It's going to be minus 10 this weekend. Like, what is that? Mm. And it's, everyone's a bit broke, especially at the moment. Everyone's just feeling a little bit more miserable. Why wait until January to start things? If you can create the space now to start some of these positive habits and just get into that rhythm of prioritizing yourself and having a to-do list that involves taking care of yourself why wouldn't you start that earlier it gets you it kind of gets you geared up for the new year because I think often one of the the biggest things we all fall into the trap of doing is January 1st you're like right this is the year I'm gonna eat my five a day every single day for example and you go from zero which is like gorging on all of the incredible food and drinking all the drinks on New Year's Eve. And on the 1st of January, it's like, I'm going to do a whole 180 here. Mm -hmm. If you start on those sorts of little things now and your to-do list is more about making time to cook or eating a nutritious meal and those sorts of things and taking time for yourself, it's so much easier to do that again in January because you've already started doing it. You've already proven you can do it. Yeah. And I do, I also appreciate that people listening to this might feel like, oh, that's a nice to have like that. It will be nice to get started on those things now, but I can't yeah. because I, I can't do this or I haven't got time or I'm, I've got all of this going on. I do think like step number one, if we're looking at it from a practical perspective is looking at your to-do list you already have before yeah. the end of the year and actually assess what do you actually genuinely need to do? What have you put on the list that you don't really want to do anymore? Like be ruthless, just color it. But like what's on the list that you, because you think you should do it, but you actually don't want to, what's going to be pushing yourself too much? What's going to be stretching yourself too much? 
are there any nice to haves on there but they can wait until the new year i think being realistic with what's already on your plate is going to help you take on those more compassionate aspects as well otherwise you're just it ends up being that thing where self-care and that compassionate angle ends up becoming just another item you add to the bottom of your to-do list yeah and it's if you don't prioritize it now when will you prioritize it Mm -hmm. and it is nice to have it is very nice to have but it's also something that will make everything else that bit easier and there is no better time to show yourself compassion I think we're very good at showing others compassion at this time of year and going oh that might that this season might be difficult for someone or we need to be mindful that Christmas can be challenging and there's a lot of pressures but how often do we extend that compassion to ourselves and go yeah actually it is harder to get up early in the mornings in the winter it is I am less motivated to go for a run when it's absolutely freezing I am a bit more stressed than usual because I'm trying to make Christmas perfect for my whole family start with yourself like start and it's not about making excuses for yourself it's not about allowing yourself to like let your standards slip or to not do anything I would say it's the complete opposite of that really it's saying I can understand why this might be difficult but I'm still going to try and you're in that you're showing yourself that you can show up for yourself as well and that is so important Mm -hmm. and that I mean that is going to be starting the new year on the on the right foot and I think it's you're not going to be perfect perfect at it every day and it's not going to be something that feels possible every single day but the more you can get used to creating that space and having more of that compassion for yourself and just acknowledging your own feelings in a situation like you said rather than being so worried about showing everyone else compassion obviously yes that's important but looking after yourself and having your own awareness of how you're feeling it's it's like the classic thing with burnout for example if you're never going to to give yourself the time or the space to assess how you're feeling. It's going to be too late. And with it being such a Mm -hmm. trying time of the year already, don't let it get to the point where it's too late. And then you are exhausted and you're burnt out or you make yourself ill. And then it really is going to be a shit Christmas and a shit end of the year because you, on top of all the stress you've already been experiencing, you now feel crap as well. I just think as well at the end of the year when everyone else is talking about what they want to achieve in 2023 and they're sharing their vision boards and their goals and their like everything they're doing and come January and like I'm doing this cleanse and this exercise routine and all of that stuff it's so overwhelming if you haven't even considered what you want to do and I think that's when it's easy to fall into the things of oh yeah I want a new job or I want a promotion I want to be able to run a marathon you kind of take on other people's ambitions because you've not given yourself the space to think about what you really want and this year I'm doing things a bit differently and I'm spending December like brainstorming like what what might my vision board and goals for like my finances look like in 2023 what might they look like for my health and part of that process is giving myself the time and going you don't have to know it right now you don't have to berate yourself on not knowing what you want from next year whatever that might be you just have to give yourself the time and as soon as I stop being like you don't know what you want to achieve this is really bad this is like a sign you'll never succeed etc and went okay no pressure let's just see what comes to the surface 
that's where things start to move around better. But I feel like this is this is exactly like the issue with this time of year that everyone mm-hmm. is talking about goal setting and it just creates this huge amount of pressure for the 1st of January to that there is so much loaded expectation for the 1st of January and January in general. And yeah. then I was speaking with someone about this the other day and then I was thinking about how, remember we had the conversation a while ago about like picking a random time to set our alarm for in the morning rather yeah. than it being dead on 6.30 or dead on 7 o'clock or whatever time, mm-hmm. just picking an arbitrary time because it feels like less pressure, it feels more spontaneous, it feels like more in control. I was thinking about what, in relation to this topic, what about if you set a date for your goal setting that's just an arbitrary date in January? So rather than January 1st, you need to know absolutely everything and all of your goals and all of your planning and all of your strategy for the year. Why not the 16th of January? Why not the 21st of January? Like they, you don't need to create this imaginary pressure for yourself for the 1st of January. Like start it now, start it on the 3rd of January, whenever you want to start it. But it doesn't have to be on this made up date that everyone's put a lot of weight on. And if that's going to make you feel more stressed for the end of the year, just ignore it move it to a different date, move it to a date that works for you. 16th of January is not going to make any difference to 12 months compared to starting no. on the 1st of January. That's true. I think, I do think it's helpful to have the conversations around goals and habits and ambitions. And I like that kind of mentality of like resetting, not because it's an opportunity of a fresh start, but I find it helpful to have that kind of moment to reassess because it's very easy to, decide you want something and not to then check in with yourself along the way so I think it can be really helpful to have all of the rhetoric around goal setting and stuff at this time of year and personally I really enjoy it but I do think you're right there's a pressure on it being on a very specific date and I think the reason that I enjoy it is because it isn't necessarily attached to the date but attached how I feel generally at this time of year like I find the end of the year a brilliant time to have that moment of reflection similarly to how I do just before my birthday and but I think you're right if you attach an arbitrary date to it that is relevant to other people and other people's decision on what is correct and successful and right you're you're setting off all of this on the wrong foot because from the start you're not prioritizing what's right for you and there's an element of keeping yourself accountable and saying okay I'm not going to start on the 1st of January it'll be the 17th of Jan and then you really stick to that because it's important that you kind of show up for yourself but yeah I think if you don't even consider what really works for you when you're setting your goals and how you're setting them and what you actually want to achieve this year you're kind of setting off on in the wrong style Mm. but then it's interesting what you're saying about like it being a kind of signaling point for reassessing but then if you have the influence of everyone's reassessing and everyone's setting goals at the same time creating that little bit of extra space whether it is now in December or whether it is in the week or two after the 1st of January you you've kind of stepped back from that Mm overwhelming narrative of you should have this financial goal you should have this career aspiration you should be eating this every day and going to the gym x amount of times a week and I think again it is just that and I do find this time of year really helpful equally and interestingly because 
I'm self-employed now. I also have targets which orientate more around the tax year. So again, yeah. I totally appreciate that it really does depend on your situation and when it is, when you feel that it's most beneficial for you. And I guess that's what we want from this conversation at the end of the day is not to tell you when is the wrong or the right time to do something, but to create that compassionate space to check in with yourself, see how you're feeling, start thinking about how you can show yourself more compassion rather than just pressure of a to-do list as we approach the end of the year yeah it's understanding yourself what you need and what actually works for you and what will really help you to achieve those goals and feel feel like you're on a path that feels authentic to you rather Mm -hmm. than oh I'm gonna eat healthy in January because everyone eats healthy in January if you Mm. already have a really healthy diet and actually what happens is over Christmas you eat slightly more processed foods or more sugar than you normally would it's not about a health kick in January could just be more beneficial for you to go I'm gonna be kinder to myself you've you've got to take that time to do that and I think rather than just trying to cram everything in trying to do less but doing more worthwhile things is probably a better use of time we hope you found this conversation helpful And it's been inspiring rather than um, an additional pressure. The compassion you show yourself at the end of the year really is the best thing you can do. And it's something I think we should all probably strive to do as the bare minimum in the new year. Um, We will be back next week with our final episode of the year. So hit subscribe so you don't miss that. And please do get in touch with us with all the details below. We will speak to you then. Bye. Bye.